0: You're listening to a Corridor Business Journal podcast.
1: I'm Nate Kading and this is Real Success. This is the Corridor Business Journal podcast where we explore the life and careers of the Corridor's most influential business leaders. Ann Olson is the Chief Marketing Officer of Ruffalo Noel Levitz, a consulting solutions firm that specializes in higher learning institutions and nonprofits located here in Cedar Rapids. Anne founded Converge right here in The Corridor, a higher education marketing agency that was just acquired by RNL. Converge became known for tech proficiency and innovation, difference makers for colleges and universities trying to find their next generations of alumni. I talked to Anne about her business success, which started at Von Mauer and quickly led to national accolades as the innovator behind the helm of one of the fastest growing businesses in the country. Anne also talks about the importance of making a lasting impression, becoming a tech guru when tech isn't really your background, in the art of virtual sales. I learned a lot, and I think you will too. Stay tuned.
0: This episode of Real Success with Nate Kading is brought to you by Midwest One Bank. Midwest One Bank is the proud partner for doers and entrepreneurs in the corridor and beyond. As an SBA preferred lender, our team is ready to help you reach your business goals. It's empowered money management. It's Midwest One Bank, member FDIC. Well, and thank you so much for taking the time to,
1: to have a conversation here. I think it's, it's always fun um, with the podcast to to meet new people and learn more about you. I think you have one of these really awesome stories in the corridor where there's a there's a few of these people kind of sprinkled about. There's one of these kind of hidden gems of a, an amazing career that has national renown and success. You know, in the marketing world and higher education, um, it might be a great place to start just to talk a little bit about how you got your beginning in the in the marketing industry, yeah. and then maybe where that started to intersect with, with education.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for having me today, Nate. So I started my career right out of college in the executive training program for Von Marr. And I would say that that is definitely where I cut my teeth. As far as customer service and retail, I had the opportunity to work in the stores and then in the Von Mar Center for about three years and just wonderful people, wonderful company. We had the opportunity to grow from 17 to 22 stores while I was there. So a lot of strategy, a lot of uh, work there. And then when we moved to Cedar Rapids, I started working in higher education I had. I apologize. My dog just saw the mailman. Okay, so so after Von Mar, I moved to Cedar Rapids and have just enjoyed through Junior League getting to know so many people in Cedar Rapids and absolutely loved the opportunity to work nationally for a higher education company. And so that was a great experience. I traveled almost every week. Um, really had a lot of um, neat experiences at different colleges and really got to see a lot of the United States in 2011. Started a digital marketing company with kind of a dream and a piece of paper uh, as yeah. the only employee at that point in time and built that to become a pretty successful organization. Um, when we were acquired by Ruffalo and Noel Lovett, um we were about eight years in and had mm-hmm. made the Inc. 5000 list several times, um, really had the opportunity to grow with the digital marketing experience. So it's been it's been great working in the corridor and, and living here as well.
1: Yeah. I, I'd be curious. Back to the back to the beginning, the Von Maur days. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, so much a customer service intertwines with marketing in the sense of knowing, you know, someone what they need, what problems you're helping them to solve, and kind of putting yourself in the, in their shoes. That sort of empathy. Do you have any stories or or kind of universal truths that you picked up from your days at, at Von Maur, from selling shirts or high heels or cosmetics or whatever shoes. that was?
0: Yep, shoes and cosmetics. Yeah, those are the two two most. Uh, profitable areas of, of the business, but yeah, I would say that the customer service was always number one at Walmart. They really modeled themselves after kind of the Nordstrom model. And mm-hmm. one other thing that I still use with my kids and my employees at work today is they always talked about making a lasting impression and listen to the customer, apologize if they're upset, uh, solve the problem, and then thank them for bringing it forward. And so over my last 30 years, that's really sold me well in business and in life.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, how about, how is marketing, how would you describe that? We've talked a little bit about that on, on this podcast, but that's such a word and uh-huh. like different forms and it kind of shape shifts over time. Like how would you describe marketing and, and perhaps obviously in the context of, of education and what you're doing, how would you describe that?
0: Yeah. So, so that's a really interesting question. I think the textbook definition of marketing when I went to college was really about the four P's. So product, price, place, promotion, um, since then, it's really evolved into some really important things in relation to technology. Um, one of the mm-hmm. things we talk about at work all the time is building a tech-enabled marketing stack that allows us the opportunity to both help and support our sales enablement, but also customer retention and, and customer experience. And so when I think about marketing, I think about brand development. I think about every touch point that a customer has. Uh, with your organization or with your brand. And then really think about how you engage and listen to that feedback um, in order to be able to respond appropriately.
1: Touch on the tech piece a little bit. Would you have called yourself a tech person 10, 15, <laughs> 20 years ago? Or is that something you've kind of picked up on? Or how how do you envision that? Because yeah. that's something I think we all kind of face in the various industries or businesses that we own.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I would not have called myself a tech or digital person. Um, when I graduated from college, we were just starting to use computers and emails. And so evolving and keeping yourself relevant in relation to technology has definitely been both a goal of mine but also something I think that we all are either forced to do or or are doing. Um, in yeah. higher education, it's been a little slower to adapt to tech. And so i'm I'm excited now actually with CoVID and some of the things that are happening. We've actually been forced uh, to probably iterate quite a bit faster than we would have in the past. And so, I would say a big, big piece of marketing right now are CRM tools, marketing integration software, and being able to really have a a vision of what the customer is doing both online um, and what their feedback is.
1: That's great. We all know these universities to be these kind of slow moving behemoth (laughs) organisms, right? Like, talk a bit about working with with these sort of organizations and what challenges that brings, and any yeah, it's
0: really. It's really interesting because it's definitely the academy. When you think about the business that we built, it's kind of insider baseball, where you have to know who the stakeholders are, what their roles are, what they care about. A provost at a college is not going to care about the same things as someone at admissions. And so I would say probably the, the number one thing that we did when working at Converge was being able to identify who our key audiences were. What messages were important to them, and then being able to show value for that. And so it was definitely always the art of complex selling, where it was a group of of stakeholders with very different interests.
1: Yeah, that's great. Take me back a little bit to that moment when you you know you make, took that big leap to found your own business, and talk a little bit about that decision. You know what went through your mind, the conversations you had with with the people around you, and you know what what hesitations did you have? How did you What ultimately pushed you over the edge to make that big jump?
0: Really interesting. So as I had looked at, I always liked thinking about and talking about white space and really felt like there was a lot of white space with the graduate and online market. More and more schools really needed to develop additional revenue streams. And so that was an audience that the current company I was with um, really wasn't focused on, nor were they really focused on digital. And so I looked at doing the whole drawing up a business model canvas kind of Stanford business model approach, really getting some stakeholder feedback. A lot of people thought I was crazy. Why leave a successful job where you have a lot of stability and you have, you know, the opportunity to stay there, do really well, have that, have that uh, foundation and go out on your own and start from a blank piece of paper. And to me, it was exciting because I felt like I had enough data and insight from listening to customers to right. know there was en- enough interest to at least start the conversation.
1: Yeah, you kind of de-risked it that way, I mean, <laughs> by, by knowing the industry, right? And, and starting there, mm-hmm. you mentioned that piece of paper was, what was on there? Did you, Was it identifying the problem? Was it, you know, a roster of people that were going to help you start this business? Like, what were the first steps yeah. to helping you realize
0: that? That's a great question. So it was definitely looking at what is the marketplace situation and looking at, the challenge and problem that colleges had, and ways in which you were going to solve for that, and then thinking about and anticipating using some research data what the future looked like, and so definitely that there weren't any names as far as people, there weren't any clients um, necessarily. It was it was pretty scary. It was a, a piece of paper and an idea. Was just you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. Did you cla- did you collaborate with anybody out of the gate, or who was who who comprised the team?
0: to start. Yeah. So, so right away I hired a couple of people and they worked really closely, had a partner come on board who was very invested in higher education as well. And so, yeah, we built and scaled brick by brick, I guess, mm-hmm. in a digital yeah. world and really had, um, I had a fun time iterating over, over the years. I would say that our our original business plan looks very different than our business did when we sold it.
1: That's great. Was there a moment early on in the in the business, I guess a two part question was there, was there a moment when you're like, man, this might actually work. We got something here. And there was there another moment when you're like, <laughs> oh boy, I don't know. I might've made the wrong wrong move here.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was about five months in when we didn't have any signed contracts yet. And <laughs> we were looking at payroll and looking at expenses and finally got that first signed contract and looked at, the, looked at that piece of paper and said, okay, we're in business, we can do this now.
1: Who was the big first contract?
0: Yeah, our big first contract was with DePaul University in Chicago. And so it was um, a colleague that we had met many years ago, had talked um, about and really believed in the power of digital and analytics.
1: That's great. And then obviously grew the company into a big success and, you know, something that's always interesting, you know, these mergers that happen and come about. Talk a bit about the, the genesis behind, you know, Convergys merger with RNL and and how that all came to be.
0: Yeah, so we had a really competent and amazing advisory board that was helping us with both review of financials every month, review of strategy, looking at talent, um, looking at growth opportunities, and we knew that at some point in time we were self-funded business, so we were focused on cash flow and positive each month on our own own bank account, using our own credit cards. So again, another wow. scary situation. But um, <laughs> when thinking when thinking about it, we looked at that point in time in business where we knew we'd either either have to grab another investor or we mm-hmm. would have to get some additional funding in order to develop our product further. Because one of the things we're always focused on is new and next and innovating. And so in order to stay ahead, we had come to that tipping point. And so it really was a beautiful time in which Al Ruffalo, good friend um, advisor to our company said, Hey, you know, let's start, start thinking about where you guys are as a business and what might be a next step.
1: That's great. And have their, how would you characterize sort of the, the merger? What have been some of the challenges that have come with that? Or what's, what's has it just been a, a big success?
0: Well, I, th- I think when you have a small, pretty nimble, fast-moving organization that can immediately respond, uh, respond to customers and move into a larger organization with hundreds and hundreds of employees, right. there's always all those great things that come with the bigger organization, which are process and HR and um, approvals and so forth. And so I think probably the biggest adjustment for our people was just moving into an organization that was much larger functioning with more decision makers.
1: Yeah. Was the culture, was that a big component of the negotiation and sort of the courtship? Like how would you describe, you know, taking your culture at Converge and merging it into a an existing company? What what challenges came from that?
0: Yeah, the the awesome part about moving into to an acquisition with RNL is they really wanted to acquire us for who we were. So we kept um, our office in Raleigh, we kept all of our employees, we kept all of our clients. And so it really became, we became a functioning unit, much similar to how we were as an organization before, um, as we moved into them. So we're sort of this little entity of innovation and involvement within a larger organization.
1: Yeah, that's great to have that broader support. You guys can kind of focus on on, on what you do. Great. Um, now you know, obviously, no industry has been immune to you know the pandemic and the challenges that that has brought forth over the course of the last year. But higher education and education in general has certainly been one that's that's been challenged and forced to uh, to change. Talk a bit about the industry in general and you know what things you guys have had to do to adapt and, and any sort of observations about higher ed uh, out into the future as well.
0: Yeah, so I think that we're constantly dealing with innovation and change in higher ed. I think that the pandemic has definitely changed business model. So the fundraising side of our business has definitely evolved from callers on campus, making phone calls to alumni, to doing those remotely. So a lot of the the business has become tech enabled. It's really become focused on how can we do our jobs from different positions, working from home with the digital digital viewpoint. Um, Higher ed, I think overall is iterated into the world of virtual. They're teaching classes online. They're doing virtual tours online. They're recruiting online. Um, I think that it's probably accelerated the business at least 10 years from where we were as far as having to adapt in that way. I think a lot of it's been great. I think a lot of the things will really be be beneficial in the future as far as learning modalities and how, how people work and live and collaborate. We don't think it's all figured out yet. So I think there's a lot of tweaking and testing to do to ensure that we're still providing the best experience for, for our clients.
1: Yeah, I got a 12-year-old at home, our oldest, Jack, and so he'll be, you know, getting into college here in six years or so, which is kind of scary to think about, but what what will be the biggest changes for a college student six years from now than, than there is today at the pace at which things are accelerating and changing? What As you look out into the future, what, what will change the most? I
0: think that's a really, really interesting question. I think you know, one of the things that we're seeing even for for companies and organization is the need to do retraining and skills-based training. Because things are changing so quickly and because technology is changing so quickly, the, the tools and technology and things that we're using now will look very different five years, 10 years from now. And so I think just being able to think about that college of the future, I think it's going to be much more open. I think it's going to be much more collaborative. I think it's going to be, much more, a student might be internationally taking a class from one college locally, another class um, online, and so I just think there's going to cool. be a lot more flexibility and options.
1: Yeah. Now, yeah. obviously, here in the corridor, we've got you know a lot writing on the the in person experience, right? You've got beautiful yep. campuses like Coe and Mount Mercy, and of course, the University of Iowa. How about that that in person kind of human experience? Will that change? Is that is that is that a is that something that's perhaps um, in jeopardy of going away to a certain extent, or will the tech and technology and that sort of thing just kind of enable be uh, you know something that will just help enable the whole experience?
0: I think I think from both my kids doing some school online at home last year, and probably your kids doing that as well, we saw that that need for the in, in person from a social perspective, from an engagement perspective, even from face to face learning is so critical. And so I think definitely there will be a shift with some courses to online, to hybrid, uh, to different modalities. I still think that traditional college experience is something that will continue. The um, U.S. is one of the number, that's one of our number one exports is actually education, thinking about international students engaging in the college experience here. And so I'm hopeful that we take the best of what's happened in the last year and really adapt that so that the learning experience is both rich and rewarding, but we don't lose the entire campus experience.
1: Selling people on uh, virtually on Zoom, I'm curious on yeah. what what takeaways you'd have on that. And like as yep. you you're going out, you're trying to get new clients, you're trying to service new clients. Do you have any advice for people that have been parked during COVID and have to do their job and selling and bringing in a new business virtually?
0: Yeah, I think it's all about personalization and connection. I think at least with Zoom, you have the opportunity to see people face to face, engage, kind of emotion, etc. But We had a really interesting experience last year where we were supposed to have a conference in Chicago in July. And we decided six weeks beforehand to move it virtual. And so we moved a 1700 person conference to a virtual (laughs) environment in in less than six weeks. And I think there were some really key takeaways. Um, A, we had an amazing technology platform. So we used the same one that Salesforce used for their virtual events. B, we tried to make it really fun. So we had events where we had, wine tastings where we sent boxes of wine to people's houses and they could, they could have an experience it beforehand. We did, we had the singer from the voice in Chicago come in and record and perform for us. Um, cool. we ha- we tried to make it as conference like as possible online. And so I think a lot of that's flown kind of flowed over to our sales team where we're doing a lot more with handwritten notes. We're doing a lot mm-hmm. more with customized, um, Communications. We're doing a lot more with video recording, as far as thank you for the meeting, or video. Here's this proposal, etc. So, yeah, it's been it's been different. I think our our teams done a really good job of adapting to it, though. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. What's what's been the most impactful? That that's great stuff. Has anyone sold you in a, in a unique way virtually since the pandemic has started? Like, has as you have you got any incoming like said like something that really jumped out to you like man that was impactful that stood out.
0: Yeah, so I, I think you know the the vendor that we just actually went with for um, our, our fulfillment is a vendor called Sendoso, and they're part of our marketing tech stack. And what they allow you to do is buy any product off of Amazon, they bring it into their warehouse, they personalize or customize it for you, and then they send it out to your clients. And so after we signed on with them, they actually did 30 free, I think, Mrs. Smith's Cookies to customers of ours, to show us how it worked and how it was going to be That's effective, cool. et cetera. So, if we signed the contract, they were, were going to do that on behalf of us. So, I think giving your customers the opportunity to experience what it's like to work with you in a real way—that uh, was fun and kind of a bonus—was pretty cool.
1: Talk a bit about just you personally and some of your professional goals going forward. You had you know different chapters within your career in terms of being an employee, owning your own business, mm-hmm. and now part of a part of a larger organization. What's what's next for you? What's the you know look look ahead 10 years what does success look like
0: that is a fabulous question i think that's the what do we what do we all want to be when we grow up right is the question <laughs> right yeah
1: <laughs> always yeah, wrestling with an, that one for sure
0: that's an awesome question you know the role that i'm in now with the acquisition at rnl is the chief marketing officer and i absolutely love my job we have the opportunity to build virtual event centers over the last year we have had the ability to author publications to build a tremendous technology platform to integrate systems. Um, really, to kind of reiterate where we've been as an organization into that to the future. I I don't know. You know, that's a great question. I think every day so many new opportunities and experiences come up that kind of shift yeah. and change who you're going to be. I think it's hard to know a year from now, let alone ten.
1: And how about how about away from work? What do you? I know you got some, some kids that are involved with sports. Is there has there been anything that's been important? for you personally that's that you make sure you kind of draw a, a firm line around and don't let anything encroach on it that that's per- yeah, personally it's helped you be a good professional that you wouldn't want to sacrifice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's kind of three key opportunities that I've been involved in that have been really personally rewarding as well as professionally. So, I serve on the Iowa State University Business Advisory Board. So, I do some work with the School of Management there and that has been awesome from a networking perspective as well as keeping my finger on the blueprint of the inside of higher ed and kind of what people are doing there. So that's been an awesome experience. Uh, This morning, I just had a a United Way board meeting where I serve on the advisory board there. And the United Way does such impactful and important work in our community. And I think they've done a really great job of engaging business leaders who are champions for them to help with with their campaigns. Uh, The final one is definitely the Booster Club at my kid's school. They do a tremendous (laughs) amount of fundraising. (laughs) Um, In order to address everything from the robotics program needs new robotic equipment to football equipment needs refurbished. And so that's been, it's been great. It's kept me really, really connected with the school.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's great. We'd like to finish the interview with just some quick rapid fire questions, get a little (laughs) glimpse into you and your personality. Um, If you were to look back on your career in general, how much of your success would you contribute to luck versus hard work?
0: Oh, that's an awesome question. So I would say my, my favorite author, Malcolm Gladwell, says it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert at a craft. And so I would say, I think the Beatles number of years before they became an overnight success was 26. Um, so I would definitely say hard work all the way around for everyone, plus a little little sprinkling of luck.
1: <laughs> I like that. Uh, if given the chance, what profession other than your own, would you most like to attempt? Go back to your time at Von Mauer when that fork in the road yeah. hit. If you, were to, if you were to go another direction, what would it have been?
0: Yeah, this may be a, a potential future for me as well, but I would love to do experience marketing. So thinking about great brands like Starbucks, Tesla, um, some of the great brands and how they've evolved. Amazon, thinking about each touch point the customer has and how you really create a rich experience for them. And I think that's something that's becoming more and more important, especially in the digital world.
1: Do you have a favorite, being a marketing person and brand person, do you have a favorite brand, uh, call it a consumer brand out there, one that you admire the most?
0: You know, I, I love Tesla because I love both the trueness to their mission and vision. Mm-hmm. I think that their founder is incredibly engaged with the cause of, of electric cars, electric energy, solar. Etc. And so I'd say they're one of my favorite brands recently, just because I feel they're so true to the leadership and so true to the cause of what they're about.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. And their their stock keeps going up too, which which I like. That's, that's always fun. <laughs> right. Um, how about a business leader? Has there been, been someone that you've looked up to throughout your career?
0: You know, one of, the, one of the people that I absolutely love, and I just read her book a couple of years ago is um, Melinda Gates and the Gates Foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, she wrote a book called The Power of Lift, and it's all about the nonprofit they run and how they work. And the coolest thing about it is, is most nonprofits um, typically aren't as accountable to outcomes and ROI as businesses have to be because of their boards and reporting, et cetera. And when they do a new project or they even invest $1, they go in and they study the social culture, the norms, the environment so that they can make long, long changing and sustainable and impactful change. And so everything is incredibly strategic with a really well thought out framework. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's the model of, of nonprofits in the future and hopefully the way the way in which they follow.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. A podcast or TV show, anything in particular that's queued up on your Netflix or your, uh, your iTunes account?
0: What's funny about that is my kids keep sending me, they communicate through TikTok. <laughs> and so my children keep sending me TikToks <laughs> of messages of things. But yeah. Um, yeah, you know, we do a podcast at RNL, and Brian Gower is the gentleman who, who runs that podcast. It's called Fundraising Voices. Oh, cool. And he's created over a hundred of them. And they're just, they're like this, super conversational, fun interviews, questions with people, um, really interesting to listen to. And so that's been it's
1: These are fundraising professionals that
0: yeah, yeah. Fundraising professionals, okay. yeah, around the world. Mm-hmm.
1: That's awesome. Um, you have a favorite motivational quote. Is there something that, you know, if you, if you were to hang one thing behind your desk for everybody to see, what would it be?
0: That's a great question. You know, I would say this. I grew up in a small town in a hard, pretty hardworking family and my dad had started his own business when when he was young. And his, his quote that he always said to us is just get up one more time, then you fall down. And I think that's pretty relevant wherever you are in your life, right? Whether you're playing a sport or whether you're working in a a class or working on a project, et cetera, you just, if you just keep getting up and keep going after it, hopefully it'll all work out.
1: Yeah. That's great. Uh, 30 extra minutes in a day. What would you do with it?
0: That is really interesting. You know, I would say 30 minutes in a day. I would love to learn about something that I didn't know about. That's great. So say you had a random deck of cards and a topic just came up and just to, to learn about something that, wasn't necessarily on your radar screen or that Google hadn't already kind of circulated for you.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. How about a book? Has there been an influential business book in your career Um, or maybe even even something that you're reading now or recently?
0: So I just ordered the Amazon management system. Okay. I have it on my desk here. haven't started reading it, but it basically goes through how Jeff Bezos created the digital business engine. And it goes through six different um, kind of proof points. Um, and models that he used and frameworks that he used in order to do that. And so I can't wait to dig into it. As a true salesperson, I'm not really a very good reader. I'm more of a skimmer. And so sure. <laughs> I, I like that it's it's short. There's big um, subject lines and headings, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm excited to get into it. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. And then the last last question that we always end with is: If you in one sentence, how would you define success? Oh, that's a
0: good question. I would say success is determining what you're passionate about and what you believe in and believing in it so much that you have no chance but to be successful at it.
1: Yeah, that kind of focus and determination. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Ann, for, for taking the time. I really appreciate it. It's been, been fun to learn a little bit more about your career and congratulations on all the
0: success. Thank you so much. It was great to talk to you today. I appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you. This episode was produced by Joe Coffee of Coffee Grande Studios. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at CB Journal.